Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. This is our theme for today from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verse 2. Welcome to the first of three episodes where we will be reflecting on the Apostle St. Paul's conversion and what it has to do with our lives today. This podcast is being brought to you by the Daughters of St. Paul Philippines, one of the ten religious congregations and aggregated groups founded by Blessed James Alberione. We were founded in order to live Christ and give Him to others through the media apostolate. I am Sister Melba of the Daughters of St. Paul, and I invite you to join me on these three episodes as we reflect on the conversion of St. Paul. But who is St. Paul? What did he get converted from? And what is that to me? St. Paul the Apostle was the greatest of the early Christian missionaries. He first appears in the Acts of the Apostles by the name of Saul. Saul was raised in the Jewish faith as a Pharisee, trained in the strict observance of God's law, which he believed should be obeyed by himself and all Jews. The early Christian church so upset him, believing them to have broken away from Jewish traditions. He zealously persecuted the church in Jerusalem and was witness to the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. He traveled one day to Damascus to further persecute the Christians. It was on his way there that his conversion happened when he had an encounter with the risen Jesus. St. Paul's conversion was an extraordinary one. Thus, of the many holy men and women, apostles and martyrs, lauded by the Catholic Church's saints, his conversion is the only one being celebrated. From Saul, a zealous persecutor of the first Christians, he became Paul, a great apostle of the Church. So, why was his conversion extraordinary? Because it was a complete conversion in mind, heart, and his very life. Conversion. What does that word mean? In the biblical sense, conversion means a turning, a spiritual turning away from sin in repentance. At a certain point in our life, we see with greater clarity how sinful we are and how sinful our choices and decisions have become. That clarity overwhelms us and gives us a deep regret for what we've done and what we have become. And if we turn away from sin, whom do we turn to? As Christians, it is to Christ Jesus that we turn to in faith. We turn away from one path in order to pursue an entirely new one, 
we turn our backs to the system of the world and its anti-God values. From dead religion and self-righteousness. Conversion involves a complete pivot, an about phase, in order to enter through the narrow gate that leads to life. But not only that. Conversion also involves the idea of changing direction. A true spiritual conversion radically alters the direction of one's life. It is not a partial change wherein one is able to straddle the fence between two worlds. It is not a superficial turning or a mere rearranging of the outward appearance of my life. Conversion is not a gradual change that occurs over a period of time, like sanctification. Instead, a genuine conversion occurs much deeper within the soul of a person. It is a decisive break with old patterns of sin and the world, and the embracing of a new life in Christ by faith. Today, let us focus on the conversion of the mind which is an intellectual change, and a change of view, a new recognition of God, of self, of sin, and Christ. One that challenges and changes your mindset on everything. How do we view church and salvation? How do we view our relationships with other people? How do we view our relationship with ourselves? How do we view health and wellness? And so on. We need to employ all of our faculties to love the Lord our God. But our mind and the attitudes and ideas that it holds dictates how the rest of our faculties fare. So it is good to ask ourselves, what controls our mind? I repeat, what controls our mind? If we are ever to get to the point of being able to see things in God's way, our mind needs to be sanctified. For Blessed James Alberione, our founder, the sanctification of the mind was one of the most important things he wanted for his children so much so that he wrote a book about it. In order to change, though, we have to be willing to let go of certain troublesome aspects in our mindset. How often do we hear today, that can't be true, or I have trouble believing that. We have been caught up in somebody else's mind control game. It may have been started centuries ago, or it may be a recent mindset game. Regardless, it has control of our minds. We have bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. So now what? How do we change? Prayer, effort, humility. Dying to oneself, we put others first. We have to let go. Let go of pride, of gossip, of envy, of greed, and too much negativity. 
let go of the fast and easy, be it driving, food, lifestyle. Let go of selfishness. Let go of excessive pleasure-mongering. Let go of fear. None of this is easy, but naming what we need to let go helps us to see how much we cling to them. Fill up on Jesus and on all the wonderful gifts and graces He gives us. Acknowledging His gifts and graces on a daily basis helps us to see how truly blessed we are, even in the midst of all our struggles. Thank Him for the struggles too. A rainy day helps us to better appreciate the sunshine. Our struggles help us to better appreciate God's great gifts. Blessed Alberione says, Everything must begin with a mind. Clear ideas and profound convictions must be formed. From these, good sentiments and firm resolutions will arise. We'll listen again to what St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans. Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. And so we pray, Jesus Master, sanctify my mind and increase my faith.